Hello, and welcome to this week's Shoot the Moon podcast with uh, Mike Harvath and my partner, Ryan Barnett, broadcasting live and direct from uh, Revenue Rocket headquarters. Today, we're going to talk about geography and how geography may impact our thinking around mergers and acquisitions and you know what we're seeing some of our clients uh, successfully implement out there and how you might be able to take those learned lessons and apply them to your business. We'll turn it over to Ryan to uh, say hello, and we can get right into it. Ryan? Hey, Mike. Thanks for uh, bringing us up today. We have a number of clients that have nationwide operations. At the same time, we have some clients that are very limited in their scope of where they're actually working. Uh, today, I want to take a look of what a buyer would do when they're considering an acquisition in their service area or perhaps outside their service area. Uh, so I really want to start with a question, Mike, is you know, how important today is it to have someone in your backyard when considering an acquisition and buying another company? Yeah, I'd say uh, it depends is the short answer. I think if you're tending to be a company that has operated in a geography over time and you really have not fully implemented or embraced work remote and you know working over a broad region, you don't have customers over a broader geographic region, or you uh, typically have not uh, developed a more mature process for work remote, then it's probably fairly important. Now, I would tell you that most of our clients have developed a very rich set of work from remote processes and tools and can operate just about everywhere. Um, they may not operate everywhere, but they can operate everywhere. So I would challenge any buyer who believes that they need to focus on a very narrow geography to, you know, think about a much broader geography from a target area, sort of a long drive or a short flight type geography. And in some cases, even international opportunities, depending on how rich they feel their uh, processes are or how well they think about operating uh, in a, you know, multi-country uh, sort of setting. Yeah, I think that the remote aspect of working is one uh, component. Um, I think part of this is understanding the culture in which you're acquiring. So if you have a management team that's willing to stay on uh, and run the company as it has been in the past, that perhaps is a, a different indication that if you're going to buy a company whose management team is uh, leaving. Uh, I guess if you're going through the management process or the, the acquisition process and you're looking at, at buying someone in a distant geography, what kind of questions would you ask that management team to see, you know, are they ready for uh, being managed remotely as a separate entity? Well, I think first you have to determine whether that leadership team is selling in or selling out. So we've talked a lot about selling in and selling out. Um, selling in is when a management team wants to stay with the business. Um, they want to, you know, have a partner or be part of something bigger. And ultimately, in the end, um, you know, still want to participate in managing the day-to-day -day operation uh, or playing a specific role. Many times, leaders and firms want to, you know, either play a more limited uh, delivery or sales role. And I would argue that the ability to do that certainly can happen through a transaction. And now if someone's selling out, it may be, uh, you know, you really are going to have to look at, is there a sort of a second level of management in place that can step up and manage that business and 
you know, be able to operate and, and uh, be, you know, comfortable uh, with working with a more remote management team. So, uh, you know, the short answer is it, it certainly depends on the capacity and and need uh, of the business to have more on-site management or not. And I would, you know, explore uh, that seller's mindset around uh, customers in particular, because it's a big tell as to learn from uh, a, a company as to where their customers reside. If it's a global operation, regardless of the size of the business, aka they've done business in multiple countries, that's a significant tell versus they've done business all within 30 miles of their office. And I think, you know, the more comfort that an organization has to be remote and to deploy remote and to operate remotely will definitely tell you a lot about how open they would be to be managed remote. Sure. Well, and I think that also indicates that there might be a trust level uh, that needs to be established or even be uh, looked at throughout the acquisition process. Uh, if you're looking to acquire a firm that you can't run remotely, uh, doesn't have the the current infrastructure and management team in place to be a right acquisition. Now, did the right candidates are they able to? If they've been running a business and running as a growing concern, you would think that no matter where they're stationed and if you're physically there or not, wouldn't make that much of a difference. Uh, do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. I think that. You know, particularly in the era of COVID, um, you know, it's certainly for companies that haven't already been programmed to work remote. And certainly many have, you know, many businesses have worked remote or have executives in different cities, or maybe they've been a virtual business for some time without uh, any physical office. You know, they understand how to work remote and work with a variety of team members and constituents on their team that may live in different cities and different parts of the country or the world. But, but certainly understanding sort of their comfort and their level of comfort. And more and more firms are comfortable with this and had to be comfortable with this in COVID. So I would encourage, um, you know, buyers to think much more broadly about, you know, what, what makes sense for them from a geography. Um, it's not uncommon for us to hear, I guess, from some buyers who, who don't have this level of comfort that they want to buy a company within you know, a very short drive of their office. Um, we think that leaves uh, many very good targets untapped um, in the M&A process. You'd be much better off saying, uh, looking at a broad geography like the southeastern United States or the northeast or the central part of the U.S. or the west coast and be able to be much more open to a better strategic, cultural, and financial fit than what you might be able to find in a very narrow geography close to your office. Uh, yeah, I, agree. I totally agree with that. I think the success factor goes uh, extremely higher when you're able to have a, a reach that is, is larger. And, and frankly, I think it can also get you into another geographic market that you may not have considered. Uh, and you may not know the intricacies of that market until you're there, but it doesn't mean that you should be shy of really going anywhere. Um, how important is it for customers and new team members to, to see the new management team? Let's say an acquisition happens. How, you know, how often or what, what should new owners do to, to make sure that uh, that new acquisition can, or that uh, new company feels good and, and part of the bigger portfolio? Well, I think it's pretty critical that that initial meeting be managed well and executed well. 
And typically that meeting happens just before closing the transaction, uh, within days to a week before closing the transaction. Sometimes it'll happen right after, but I would tell you most of the time it happens right before. And the way it's handled best is if the seller and the new owner present to the team the merits of the combination and essentially uh, provide an introduction uh, to that owner and that new uh, ownership group in that meeting. And then be able to field questions from the team and talk about concerns that they have about you know, the change in leadership and what roles will be played by the existing leaders and managers and owners of that business um, to make sure that they have clarity uh, about their job not being in jeopardy, which is a big, you know, concern that people have in a transition. Um, and that, you know, they're going to be able to have similar types of uh, benefits and, and sort of employee um, interactions with the leadership. And, and that happens best in a face-to-face presentation that occurs in that first week. And then I think it's important to probably, um, you know, have some level of regular communication to the entire company, whether that be virtual or live, uh, and at a minimum have a twice-a-year sort of live touch point. Um, that's, that's what most of our um, clients who are building broad uh, constituencies of companies across the U.S. and the world, uh, it's how they manage it. Um, they may do a virtual meeting uh, every quarter at a minimum, and then, you know, every other meeting is one's virtual and one is live, um, and that, that gives them a chance to, uh, you know, better understand and get to know the teams that are in the remote offices and ultimately, um, you know, have a pipeline of communication that's open uh, for them to be able to bring up any concerns or or opportunities in a way that you know makes sense for uh, everyone. Yeah, uh, that totally makes sense. I, th- I think one of the other things you also consider is that there's opportunities that arise when you are considering a strategic opportunity uh, of another geography. So, uh, for example, there there's great uh, geographic expansion can be a great opportunity for a client. Um, some cities might be booming, or some there might be niche markets in other ones. For, for example, uh, you might be able to target tourism in Orlando, or perhaps a digital out-of-home experience in 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 Las Vegas, uh, or or just even if you want to get in financial services, you can start looking in Manhattan. I think those are all important things uh, to consider. Um, at the same time, I'm sure uh, companies are also looking at perhaps uh, looking at opportunities to uh, have less taxes. For example, I don't know, Mike, if you have any insights on uh, companies leaving California uh, or uh, moving to you know, neighboring states like Nevada, uh, Idaho, or, or, or going big in Texas. Um, is there an opportunity to perhaps look at tax advantages or uh, when selling your business that uh, could come in play here? Yeah, absolutely, and there's certainly you know, uh, tax advantages for operating businesses in specific states over other states. Um, And we've certainly seen um, buyers actually move their headquarters operations to lower tax states or acquire a business in a lower corporate income tax state uh, very successfully and be part of a, you know, broad constituency uh, in that state in a more business-friendly, tax-friendly state. 
and maybe even move their, you know, their whole family and their whole focus to that state in preparation for building a bigger company and an ultimate exit of the business where they could have a, a little better, uh, you know, tax profile as it relates to capital gains tax in particular or income tax um, and, and or corporate tax. So, you know, certainly we're not tax advisors and we don't, you know, portend to be. We always advise our clients and our listeners to talk to their tax advisors. But, you know, you certainly can use M&A as a tool for optimizing your tax planning and, and uh, you know, can actually uh, move to the state that the company that you acquire is in and establish a new headquarters. And many, many buyers have done that as well. Hey, just uh, one last question for you here, Mike. Uh, I know we've done a lot of business with Canadian-based operations, and I'd love to understand you know, what's the benefit of acquiring in Canada, and what benefits does uh, a firm have that they may not have considered uh, for someone selling their business in Canada, and why it's such a, a an interesting opportunity? Well, certainly, you know, Canadian tax law as it relates to uh, benefits for owners that sell small businesses tends to be a little more robust than it is here in the states. And you know, many uh, owners who have established their trusts get a fairly substantial capital gains uh, exemption uh, when they ultimately sell their small business. And this was primarily driven uh, in the ag business, uh, and then it's flowed over into really all uh, small businesses in recent years. And it creates a, a quite a unique um, tax exemption for every member of your family that may be participating in your family trust when you sell your business. So for buyers, that translates into an interesting opportunity um, as it relates to deal structure. You know, many people like to buy companies as an asset because they get to an asset transaction because they get to amortize the sale more quickly. But in the case of these optimized tax strategies, for example, in Canada, um, you would have to buy it as a stock deal, but it may represent an advantage uh, for you, particularly as a U.S. buyer, uh, to negotiate a more aggressive price, not only because of the uh, these tax laws that allow the, the seller to keep more of the money that they're going to get in the transaction, but also because of the um, uh, currency uh, exchange uh, between the U.S. and Canada. So I would encourage folks that are um, contemplating a acquisition to certainly uh, think about Canada and how Canada might play into their plans. And, you know, on that same note, there's some tax exemption opportunities in the States if you happen to be running a C-Corp uh, and have held that asset longer than 10 years, uh, you can also qualify for what's called an IRS 1202 exemption, which gives you some additional uh, tax relief. To capital gains tax relief when you sell. And so again, uh, we're not tax advisors, but we recommend you talk to your tax advisors about that to see if your business might qualify for those uh, uh, special breaks. And if you're going to buy a company that is a C-Corp, uh, you certainly can keep that into, uh, take that into consideration, apply the same rules you would as if you were buying a company in Canada. Great. Well, uh, just to sum this up, it sounds like uh, buyers should really not be too hesitant of getting outside of their comfort area from a geography standpoint. Uh, there's many more opportunities than in your current backyard, and uh, it's a little bit easier to pick up a strategic 
partner than a competitor that literally is is banging on the same doors as uh, you are uh, when trying to sell things. Uh, there's opportunities internationally, uh, especially if you're looking at a Canadian operation, uh, they, they can be very advantageous. And uh, really, if you are able to re embrace remote work, uh, you can embrace remote management, and that makes that all uh, possible today like no other. Uh, so with that, Mike, uh, wrapping it up, I'll send it off for review for send off. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Uh, as always, with that, we'll, uh, as we say, tie a ribbon on it for this week's Shoot the Moon uh, Revenue Rocket Shoot the Moon podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we look forward to talking soon.